reveal the truth. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. Don't judge me, Rocky. You're a wizard, Harry. Why so serious? Here's Johnny! I wanna play a game. Welcome to episode 18 of Lords of Film. I'm your host, Justin Shanlin. We have Kyle Davis. Hello. He's back from Dagobah, finally. I completed my Jedi training. <laughs> and we we have a special guest tonight, Zaki uh, Hassan. How, how do you pronounce your last name? I always screw it up. <laughs> Hassan. Hassan. See, yeah. at Close. Least it, wasn't, it wasn't like Jim Vaveda when we had him on. <laughs> remember that, Kyle? <laughs> I remember. Vince Boda. He's like, no, that's not how you say it. So I was like, damn. You're um, off by, by one syllable, so not too bad. So, Zachy, like, this is your first time on uh, Lords of Film. We've been trying to get you on. Shailen we've, been, on we've been talking about it for a we've while. Been flirting. <laughs> we've been flirting back and forth. <laughs> we've been on, doing uh, the dance. On social media for quite some time. But what, <laughs> what, what, what are you, what's your career? What do you do for a living? Where, where, you know, that whole sort of thing. Well, I've been a film critic for a little over 20 years now. I started actually writing movie reviews for my high school paper, and I went into uh, for my college paper, and then I just kept doing it. And currently my uh, reviews appear at Huffington Post and Fandor and Sequart and occasionally at the Philly Weekly. And um, I'm also a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle, which is pretty cool. We just voted uh, last week uh, for our uh, best of the year. We gave Andy Serkis best actor, which is kind of exciting for War for the Planet of the Apes. It's the first time an actor has gotten an award for uh, motion capture performance. So that's pretty cool. I was I was very honored to be part of that. But uh, in addition to that, I also host uh, the movie film podcast. Uh, where we discuss new releases, et cetera, kind of like what you guys do here, and also the Nostalgia Theater podcast, where I talk to the people who made uh, the pop culture artifacts that we love and and try to get into a little detailed history about that. Awesome. So in tonight's episode, we will be discussing The Last Jedi. This will be pretty much a Jedi beatdown from... Like the the two Jedi's on this episode will be Zachy and Kyle, and I am the one, <laughs> the young Padawan learner, who's just gonna get force choked by both of them for my opinion of the Last Jedi. So this is gonna be a heavy spoiler episode. So we're gonna forewarn you: if you go further, this is all on you. We will not, we will not feel bad for you listening further on than past this. So. A little Ron Swanson for you. We do not care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for episode 18, let's do, jump right into it. I'm going to start with, uh, let's just do like a round table. Start with Kyle on your your opinions um, of The Last Jedi, what you thought of it, what you liked, disliked, things you are excited for going on within the future. Right. So I think I should just make it clear out of the bed that I didn't actually immediately love this movie. Like when I first walked out of the theater, I was just like, "Oh, that was kind of weird." It was, it was something. So it wasn't until a little bit later, when I had a good night to like think about everything, did I really start to appreciate everything that this movie had to offer. Um, but like with that being said, you know, even though I've come to really appreciate a lot of parts about it, there it is certainly a bit messy at times. There's definitely a lot of valid criticism you can throw its way, but 
Um, at the end of the day, though, I th- I think this was a really bold and really refreshing turn for the Star Wars franchise, and I'm definitely really excited to see where they take the new characters in the next movie. What what new characters, Kyle? Because we already have all the characters from the Force Awakens set up. The I think the only new characters. Well, yeah, yeah like those Rose. are the ones I'm talking about. The ones that were part of this oh. new trilogy: uh, Ray, Finn, Poe, Kylo. Um. Zachy, what what your thoughts, likes, dislikes? Well, I I would say my reaction was very similar to uh, Kyle's when I watched it. I uh, initially I I did like it initially, but it was it was a lot to process. And even as I was leaving the screening, the 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 studio rep was like, "What'd you think?" And I was like, "I need to think about it." And they just kind of laughed because I think that's a very common reaction that they were having. Um, I slept on it for a little while. Uh, before I wrote my review, and I think what what I liked was the way in which it really it 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 uh, moves the story forward by essentially letting the audience know, look, we're not going to be repeating the same beats that we got in in the original trilogy. I think really that's the only thing they could do, especially after The Force Awakens, which you know w- one of the complaints that people had about that film is that it was sort of a karaoke version of Episode Four. And so as a result, a lot of people were expecting like, okay, well, in the second one, they're going to do this. And then in the third one, they're going to do this. And so I think I I give Ryan Johnson uh, and Kathleen Kennedy, I give them a lot of props for saying, you know what? Uh, We need to close some of these doors because otherwise people are going to be anticipating things uh, that will just feel like retreads of what what, what they've done before. So uh, I did like that. I'm a fan of the this this uh, second generation of characters, or I guess third generation of characters, if you include the the prequels. Um, I am sad to say goodbye to uh, all of you know my my beloved childhood heroes, but that's just uh, that's the way of things, I guess. And uh, I, I will say that uh, while I I am while I do have that sadness, it's it's tempered by uh, what I find a, a really interesting batch of new characters. So I, I had to take a moment to kind of take a deep breath, gather <laughs> my thoughts again. So I didn't love it, didn't hate it. I'm somewhere in between, clunky, messy. Um, the first half of this film is full of misfires. Uh, a lot of things I really disliked about that first half. And then it's to get to that second half of the film, like the final act, there's a lot of things I did enjoy, actually. Unfortunately, it... The, the the sum of the parts outweigh the whole in this case this is will be my first star wars film that i will not see multiple times i probably won't even pick this up um on blu-ray dvd which is kind of sad because i own them all uh i i appreciate what ryan johnson was kind of doing but he didn't execute his uh script properly um i appreciate that he was trying to to, to, I guess, sidestep a lot of the tropes that we come to expect from the Star Wars films. I respect that. But the going back to the execution portion of that, uh, unfortunately, he was unable to successfully give a cohesive narrative throughout. I was really excited going forward with this film, learning about Snoke, uh, learning about... Finn, I had issues with Finn. I still don't care a thing about Finn. And I think one of his character, 
just has that been serviced correctly uh, for this for these two films so far? That middle portion where they are on like the casino planet, I can't even remember what it's called. What a waste of time. That was an absolute waste of time where we could actually have spent more time uh, seeing Luke train Leia. I didn't like the fact that Luke essentially only trained Leia a couple times. She really didn't do much, Ray, uh, her character, as that first portion of that film. Um, I think the biggest thing that upset me with going with well there's two things that upset me the most i didn't like how ryan johnson uh portrayed luke i didn't like his motivations uh but i think the thing that just as soon as that first scene with mark hamill we finally that lead up from the force awakens you know ray holding that lightsaber and we were all excited to see that scene and then Luke just tosses the lightsaber behind them. I'm like, what was the even purpose of that moment from The Force Awakens of getting us excited to see Luke for the first time? It was just thrown away like it was nothing. I don't know. I don't, I have, it's, this movie is a mixed bag for me. Unfortunately, I just, there's not much to like. There's not much, there's really very little to love. And there's definitely a lot of things that I hate. So, um, Zachy, when, like you said, when you walked out of the film, the rep asked you what you thought of it, and then you slept on it. What were the things that you enjoyed after, you know, taking time to think about this film? Because we had conversations. I saw on Twitter that you said that this film would be divisive as it is. since at Rotten Tomatoes as a 93% fresh. But the fans, uh, the fans aren't embracing this film as much as the critics. Yeah, you know, I, th I, th yeah, I said that as soon as it ended, because I was with my friend, I was like, people are either going to love this movie or hate it, and uh, that that seems to be, like as you said, it's it's being borne out. I I think that, you know, the the hardest thing that I had to sort of work through was that this was the movie where I said goodbye to Luke Skywalker, and and obviously. You know, anytime a Jedi fades away, we know that well. There's always the Jedi afterlife that we can we can see them, in, and I have no doubt we'll see Mark Hamill back as a Jedi spirit. But when when we see Luke disappear, it's it it's really the end of his time as the focal point of Star Wars, and he, he you know he's really not the focal point of these films. And so that you know it it was I'll I'll be honest that was something I really, I spent a lot of time working through because it felt like I had just said goodbye to, to a dear friend, you know? And uh, I think that's, that's the hardest thing. To some extent, we, we saw that also with Han Solo in the previous one. And I think that goes to a lot of the discontent. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, Justin, but certainly uh, many people and, and including myself, I mean, we've, we've grown up with 30 plus years of, Luke Skywalker being sort of this immutable part of the landscape. Like one thing we know for certain is Luke Skywalker, nothing will ever happen to Luke and he's a Jedi master and he kicks all form of ass. And so we've got three decades of expectation. And so when, you know, one movie ends with Ray handing him a lightsaber cut to credits, we're like, all right, I know, I already know what's going to happen next. He's going to take that lightsaber and he's just going to, you know, like he says in the movie, what do you want me to do? Like just face off against the whole first order by myself. That's we're, we're conditioned to expect that. And the film 
agree or disagree. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of like had the film shown me Jedi Knight Luke kicking all form of ass, I would have been totally fine with that. I'm, I'm, I would not have been opposed to that. However, what I think I applaud the filmmaker saying, you know what, let's do something that people are not expecting. And so to me, I certainly, I didn't view him tossing that lightsaber as, as like an insult or even like a repudiation of that cliffhanger. I was more like, wow, why, why did he do that? That's kind of, you know, like what, what brought him there? And so we go on this journey uh, of where we, we get to the place where Luke would uh, be moved to do this. And that's something I totally get. Like you're, you'll either be down with it or you won't. Uh, I, I found it compelling, especially given the fact that Luke really is, a supporting character in this story and that's that's the adjustment that i as a as a fan i had to make i had to realize you know what this is this luke is the guest star in this he might be, be getting top billing but he's the guest star and i once i recognized that and i i sort of situated my my emotions in the right place for my second viewing i was able to appreciate it much more although to be clear i appreciated it even after seeing it the first time but i appreciated it much more the second time because i was uh, i was ready for whatever uh what was coming right see i look at this film as a lot of people look at the dark knight rises absolutely um yeah. it's this is kind of like Bruce quitting for eight years. It's, it goes against the character that we know. And, you know, like, I appreciate that, Ryan, you wanted to take us on a different journey. But there's just things about this film that that just don't add up, don't make sense. I had issues with Luke throwing away. You know, I get, I get why he did it. I understood why he did it. He didn't want to be a Jedi anymore because of, you know, the aftermath of Kylo Ren. I understand that. I, I respect that. But there's things that, that Ryan, okay, so for instance, so we get to that point where they're having the conversation with Yoda, right? Mm-hmm. And Yoda goes, you know, he's, Luke's like, I failed you, master, you know, like, Kylo became like a Sith Lord, you know, I just want the the Jedi to finally end. And, you know, Yoda, Yoda's talking to him and everything. And Luke is talking about the the sacred Jedi text. Hey, don't burn it down. Let me get those sacred Jedi texts. And, and Yoda is like, the texts mean nothing. They're just, you know, they're just words on a page, essentially, is what he was saying. And at the very end of the film, when we see... Uh, Ray with uh, Princess Leia or General Leia at this point. Um, she has a text. Like it, it, like things like that just don't make sense. The whole the sequence uh, with with uh, on, on the casino planet just cut that whole scene out. Like that whole sequence is just doesn't serve as much of anything of the plot. Like I really think this was Mark Hamill's greatest uh greatest turn as an actor you can see that he's really trying but unfortunately it's his worst part that he's done in quite some time it's 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 poorly written it's poorly conceived it's poorly thought out um there's plot holes we could drive a train through at this point uh looking at it i mean so my question is you guys is this and i'll start with kyle so if if Rey is now considered the last Jedi, she's not a Jedi yet. She hasn't. She trained for like a day. 
she swung her lightsaber around for a little bit, you know, like she did the whole hand to the earth and made things move. Um, so who's going to train, who's going to train her to go up against a far superior Kylo Ren, who at this point has completed his training to the dark side of the force. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to be very interesting because, uh, in a way, Ray is kind of at a crossroads where she has she has very little training, very little information to actually go off of. But she has now like this, this like almost like a quest in front of her to see how she's actually going to adapt these teachings from the book, or if she even is going to, or is she just kind of going to go out there and just try to make it work on her own without any other teachings. Like maybe she's going to try to f- form some new order, like maybe some gray Jedi kind of thing. It- it's really hard to say. And right now, like there's really not a whole lot of information to go off of, or like where she- maybe she's leaning towards. Cause I mean, at the, end- at the end of the movie, we do have the scene where Kylo tries to bring her on board, try to get her to come over to the dark side. But she sure refuses it, but that-, that doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to be a perfectly pure, like light side Jedi either. Like it- we really don't know where she is actually going to go, where what she's going to do with her time and her the little bit of knowledge that she already has. I'll ask Zach the same question. Where, where, who who do you feel is gonna? Because Ray is gonna need to be trained. She at at the very beginning of the film, she was you know testing fate with the dark side. Luke had issues with that. So there's a there's a maybe a moment in the in the future film. Where that has to happen, where she's going to be tested again by Kylo. So, who do you think is going to train her? Do you think that it's something that's necessary to be told, or do you think you know, kind of go up piggybacking up for what Kylo said? Do you think that she may just be a great Jedi? Uh, well, I think that the the film is making an effort to break us out of the paradigm of of you know the Jedi Order as an entity. I mean you know luke has this speech where he's like you know the jedi order were so out of it they didn't even see when darth sidious took over and this and that and the other thing so so it's a, in other words what we really see is a critique of of what the jedi have been through the prequels and then by extension through whatever luke tried to do so i think the the destruction of the tree is a symbol that whatever the jedi was is no more and when, when you know and and he makes a point luke tells ray he's like uh, you know, the force doesn't belong to the Jedi. The force is, belongs to the universe. So um, I I think that the definition of of Jedi is going to change. When he says, I'm not going to be the last Jedi, uh, I don't think it's necessarily an indication that, but there will be a Jedi order after me. It's, it's, there will be force adepts forever like i'm you know it's not going to stop with me and you don't uh, it, you know it, you, you talk about the dark knight rises in batman begins there's that great quote by rosal ghoul of all people but he says you know the the training uh, is nothing the will is everything right and i think uh that's sort of an, an indication of of how uh they are viewing the force from from this uh this movie on I, like i i like there's a lot to appreciate about this film but it just it simply is not executed properly. And that's like that that's to me is the whole theme of The Last Jedi. My biggest I actually don't mind that Luke, you know, you know, faded away into the wind. Like, do I do I wish 
that they would have left that to a third film. And at the very end, to kind of like tie up all the loose ends, we see that same very sequence. And, you know, finally the prophecies revealed that Luke was, you know, blah, 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 blah. But let's, let's take a look at another issue that I have with the film. And if you could please jump in, any of you, if you have any issues or any... Um, another issue that I have with the film is how they kind of handled Prince... Well, Gen I keep saying Princess Leia, but General Leia. Well, to um, us, she'll always be royalty, right? Right, yeah. right. I, um, <laughs> there is that moment where she... It, she is blasted out of, you know, their, I can't even remember, like I said, I've only seen it once, I can't remember exactly what their name for it is. Um, they're, they're, let's say they're Frigate, because that's, I was watching Return of the Jedi the other day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the, the, the Frigate and everything, um, and I was like, oh my god, is this how she's gonna go? Like, is this how she's gonna, like, is this how they're gonna, you know, you know, kind of like, what, what a way to kind of, and for her to, as a character and as a person to kind of like pass on, you know, in this, in the story, unfortunately she flies or uses the force, um, uses the force in, in this film. And, you know, my argument with you, with you, Zachy, and maybe a few others is, you know, if that, if she isn't like really well versed in the force, why didn't, uh, Palpatine at the end of Return of the Jedi used the Force to pull himself out from falling at the from being thrown over that little thing, you know, in the Death Star. Like it just to me, it seems like Ryan Johnson was more concerned on telling the story he wanted to tell and not really looking at the entire history of what these Star Wars films have been. To so many millions and millions of people. Hmm. I mean, do you, do you guys? Do, am I making any sense here? Like, does that make sense to you guys? Like, am I just talking out well, of my? Well, if I mean, if you're talking about the the, the scene with with uh, Leia specifically, I, I mean, I get why people are are sort of irked by that. I mean, I have to be honest and say it it didn't really bother me, uh, only in the sense that you know. Um, the the limits of the force are sort of elastic. I mean, it you know it changes from from movie to movie in terms of what you can do. And so, uh, and and I'm not I'm not diminishing you know what, what what you're saying. I'm just when I saw it, I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's something you can do when when you use the force. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because because I remember watching the Phantom Menace back in '99, and they're like zipping around like the Flash. Uh, on the ship, on the on the Trade Federation ship, I was like, "Is that a thing that you do?" Okay, I guess you know. And they're like flying around and stuff. So I'm I'm like, "All right, I'm I'm weird. I'm just like, okay, you tell me that's what the Force does. I mean, I don't know. You know, we don't have a real world parallel to that. Um, as far as Leia using it, uh, you know, I I here I'm I'm of two minds. Number one, I agree with you. Where if if that was the last we saw of her, she gets blown into space. I would have been okay with that too, because I mean, what are you going to do? You know, she, we've lost Carrie Fisher. There's not many avenues left to say goodbye to the character. Uh, however, leaving that sequence in, obviously it allows her to, to be uh, integral for the rest of the film. But beyond that, uh, number one, we got to see Leia use the force, which is something that mm -hmm. 
I mean, we would not have been able to, right? Uh, secondly, I, I viewed it as kind of it's. I don't think she's a force adept, but she is force sensitive. We've already established that mm-hmm. multiple times. And you know, it's it's one of those things where if you are underwater and you are running out of air in your lungs, you will do whatever you can to get back up to the surface. You know, and so she's dying. She's literally dying, and her body just sort of takes over. And you know, she has access to the force in the way few other people i mean nobody else survived because she is force sensitive so i it it didn't bother me uh in it to to the to the same extent that that it did other people but i totally get why why people would be sort of put off by it um do you think that they handled her the at the end of the film her character survives but we already know that Carrie Fisher has passed on. Do you think they handled that properly? And I'll start with Kyle and we kind of do a round table. I'm going to say yes. I mean, like, obviously we, we already know what's going to happen in between this movie and episode nine in terms of princess or general Leia. Like we already know she's not really going to make an appearance because they've already come on record and said that they don't want to do a CGI Carrie Fisher for the next movie. So um, obviously you didn't need to do something like open the movie with like a funeral sequence or I hopefully not just put her in the, the opening crawl saying that she died or something like that. <laughs> she deserves she deserves a little bit more respect than that. But um, <laughs> imagine the the very first Princess Leia is dead. General Leia is dead. The rebellion is a turmoil. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! But uh, but I, I think having her actually survive to the end of the movie was important because she really is going to be one of the beacons of hope in the formation of this new rebellion. Um, I think she's going to definitely be able to put them on the right track for getting established to fight off against the, the first order. Uh, and honestly, like I, the whole uh, force bubble thing she was doing earlier, it really did throw me off, but every, every part after she woke up from her coma, I was really impressed with what they were doing to princess Leia, just the way she was reacting to everything. I, I really liked what they were doing of her. Uh, so I'm glad we got a chance to see that because personally for me, this is probably one of the best performances uh, from Carrie Fisher as Leia that we've seen so far. So I was, I was really happy that we at least got that send off that way. Go go yeah. for it, Zachy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky. I, I, I think that the I'm glad they didn't change whatever they had filmed and whatever they had written to account for Carrie Fisher having passed. Because, I mean, like Kyle's saying, you know, I mean, this this is it. This is, this is our farewell to her. So I'm like, let's get everything we can from her. And I think that's the filmmakers. Like, you know what? We'll figure it out later. But let's not rob audiences of what is really a, a series of tremendous moments, both for the character and the actor. I mean, uh, I think seeing... Leia in this elder statesman role. I mean, that's you know we she got a little bit shortchanged in the last one, so really, um, you know, the the role got to breathe in this one, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Um, when when we did our preview episode of the Last Jedi, what me and Kyle talked about for a majority of that episode is looking forward to all the little Easter eggs that J.J. Abrams had put in place for this this film, The Last Jedi. And it seems like Ryan Johnson sidestepped all those. If you look at the telling of Snoke, we were all, I think 
I think, Kyle, we said that he was like the character we were looking forward to most, learning about him, figuring out where how he kind of like came to power, what his powers actually are, um, talking about Ray's parents. And it seems like, you know, Ryan just didn't care about those crucial things that J.J. Abrams had put in. Because remember, there's that flash in The Force Awakens where uh, there's a couple flashes in The Force Awakens where it alludes to the parentage of of race parents. Mm. You know, like the only thing, the, the only real hint at her parentage that we got from The Force Awakens was we saw some ship flying away from the planet. So like really, which is a complete guess at that point of what that could have meant. Um, but I was honestly quite satisfied with the answer we actually did get about her parentage in this movie that they're not, they're nobodies. She comes from nothing. And that to me actually makes her more of an impactful character than if she had been like the granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi or the, the, the daughter of Emperor Palpatine or something like that. Um, cause it really does kind of, add more to her being a heroic character that she can kind of rise up against adversity and become this, this hero. Whereas like uh, on the flip side, you have Kylo Ren who, who is somebody that comes from a notable bloodline. He is a Skywalker and yet, and a solo and a solo. And yet it's led him down a path of villainy down the path of the dark side. So it's kind of a nice contrast in that way. Uh, But as far as like all the other stuff we were, open to get like more information on Snoke. Um it it is it is kind of weird that they just kind of write him off, but um I I realized this after the movie, after thinking about it a little bit, like ultimately killing off Snoke is the more favorable approach because even in The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren was just a much more interesting character. And plus if we had just kind of kept on, you know, with the master and apprentice kind of approach, it would continue to feel like we're retreading the same ground from Return of the Jedi with Vader and Palpatine. So ultimately he had to go. And in that case, you know, maybe it's for the best. We don't, we don't really get too many answers about him. Cause then that would just further bog down the movie. If we had to spend time learning more about his backstory before we killed him off. Um, actually, you know, Kyle, you actually persuaded me on the race situation. Um, however, I wish there would have been one little moment or scene where we got a more information about Snoke. Mm-hmm. I really wish that would have been a thing. Um, I think that he, he's such a powerful character, and Andy Serkis does such, brings such justice and such gravitas and such grandiose, um, you know, of a film portrayal for, uh, for Supreme Leader Snoke. Unfortunately, I just, I just felt like... You know, I think that you're right on, right on, you hit the nail right on the head when, yes, you know, we could, we can't follow the same tropes. And I'm actually satisfied that they, you know, that they killed this fictional character. I'm never satisfied when anyone actually dies, <laughs> but I'm satisfied that, you know, Kylo Ren uh, killed it. I just wish that we would have spent a little bit more time, even if it was a few lines here or there where, you know, Kylo and Supreme Leader Snoke were just chatting about, the force he would have said you know i was trained by blah 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 i would have been happy mm-hmm. zacky take it away what are, what are your thoughts you know snoke's an interesting situation because because 
when you think about it, we know about as much uh, about Snoke as we did about Palpatine uh, before the prequels, you know? And so so I never felt like, oh, like they've shortchanged us. Uh, I did feel like he's, he's like Palpatine 2.0. Like I, you know, for as fun as Andy Serkis is to watch in, in anything. And if they had, if they didn't even do like CGI, if they just in the movie had Andy Serkis wearing a motion capture suit, I would have watched that because <laughs> he's, he's that much fun to watch. Uh, I didn't find the character particularly compelling as anything other than sort of the plot device that gets Kylo Ren to an interesting place because damned if Kylo Ren is not just a fascinating character. So I, 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 I liked where where they took it, where it's like, okay, let's let's bring you right up to where Return of the Jedi took Vader and and Palpatine, and let's throw a little curveball, and not now now you don't know where we're going to take things. Uh, that's to me what these movies should be doing is saying, look, we're not just going to be doing doing wash rinse repeat of what we've seen, and and with that, you know, uh, just echoing what Kyle said about Ray, I mean, I think I think to me. Uh, the 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 we spent what two years talking about who's Ray's parent, you know, and and it was this great sort of red herring conversation. And and what I kept saying was, I kept saying this. I'm like, what can they? What could the reveal be that would be satisfying? I you know I to me, how do you top? I am your father. You you don't. So then you don't even try. You say, okay, what can we do that's as impactful to the character as that was. And and I it was funny because I had that thought and then I saw an interview with Ryan Johnson where he said the same thing. He's like, Luke hearing Vader say, I, I am your father was the worst possible thing he could have heard in the same way that Ray hearing that her parents are nobody, that they abandoned her. That is the absolute worst thing she could have heard at that moment. And, and I appreciated that. I appreciated the narrative sort of thread pulling there because it, it puts us in an interesting place moving forward uh, because you're kind of like you're freed up a little bit from the whole like holy bloodline thing that's been uh, uh, propelling this series and it puts you in a place where now in in the last entry you're like well what 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 is it all going to come down to you know I think you know you say that I agree with you, like, who could have been her father? But it would have been compelling to see if uh, Snoke would have been, Ray, I am your grandfather. That would have been interesting. And I would have laughed. <laughs> um, there, there, uh, so one thing that I really did enjoy in this film, you know, other than the actors, and the, was the, the action. I thought that the Jedi battle between Ray and Kylo Ren now they weren't battling really each other. They're battling to save each other. Right. They kind of they kind of had like a battle of wits going on throughout the movie when they had the like right. the force connection going on. and They were talking to each other. That was really interesting to see. But yeah, like it was it was like sure, watching like Sherlock Holmes go against Moriarty. Yeah. And it was but like a psychic kinetic kind of kind of thing, which was which I appreciate. I enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed them dueling and you see both of the, how powerful they really are and how at one, one's at one spectrum of the force and the other's at the other spectrum of the force and they're kind of you know it's it's interesting to you know to see kylo to see kylo as a character try to persuade 
Ray. Why do you think that is? And I'm going to start with Zachy. Why do you think it's Ky- Kylo doesn't need Ray? He just killed Snoke. So as a story beat, why would he need to go? And I, I enjoyed this this sequence. I thought it was well crafted. Just as a, you know, something that, as a cur- curiosity for me is why would Kylo need to reach out? You know, he reached out like literally and uh, and figuratively as well. He reached out to pull Ray in as a as a not like a friend, but as like a, like. A fremony? I don't know. Like, like, a, you like see an what ally I'm or something. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, they're they're both they're not that far apart from each other in terms of where they're at, right? I mean, uh the this movie is really all about sort of you know, coloring in the 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 complexities of these characters. And certainly the sense that you get of Kylo Ren is it it changes from where we were at the end of of the Force Awakens, where we're right there with Ray. We're like he's a monster. I mean, anybody who killed Han Solo is is just the worst, obviously, right? And then you know we get that moment early on in the film where he's about to fire on on his mom and he doesn't, right? And it's that that you get that little piece of like, oh, maybe like what's his deal, you know? And you're not like, hey, maybe he's a good guy, but you're like <laughs> some. Something's going on, you know, because you're like, he still killed Han, the bastard, right? But I think I think that him and Ray, they are they're they're on their respective sides, they're in in the same place where they're trying to figure out who they are in relation to this path that they've chosen. And so by extension, it ends up positioning them much closer together than uh, you know, to 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 Snoke or to Luke, respectively. And that to me allows for you know the moment when uh when when uh, when kylo when he kills snoke and then you have that terrific uh fight scene that you guys alluded to um i think there it it allows for a genuine like oh man when when she's like come on you got to tell them to stop firing he's like i'm not going to do that you're like oh so close like it genuinely you feel it uh it you feel bad, and I think that says something about how effectively they sort of thread the needle here. Because I think, in to make you in any way sympathetic to the guy who killed Han Solo, that's that's a feat right there. Right, and like it's it's interesting to see how he, as a character, wants he doesn't need her. So it's always one of those things where, you know, like I felt like in that moment we were hearkening back to Empire Strikes Back, where Darth Vader's like. Luke, join me, and we can destroy the Emperor together. We can rule the the, the universe's father and son. Maybe, maybe, maybe Kylo is quasi in love with Rey. They have this kinetic connection, and he doesn't need her. But maybe, maybe. I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm I, I'm shooting for like the deep end here. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, I think they they have some definite chemistry between them, but Adam Driver and and Daisy Ridley. So I think that helps. I I think it it it's much simpler than that, though. I think it goes to like, you know, like the hierarchy of needs. You know, we we need companionship. We need somebody who understands what we're going through. And when it comes to Kylo Ren. There's like one person in the galaxy who understands what he's going through, and it's this girl who he just met. I think that uh, Adam Driver 
is a fantastic actor. Yeah. And uh, he was in this film this just a couple months ago uh, with Channing Tatum and oh, Daniel yeah. Daniel Craig. I oh, can't remember. Logan Lucky. Yeah, Logan Lucky. And I was like, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in this upcoming, uh, you know, third entry in J.J. Abrams' uh, film. Um, so let's talk about something that I feel like we universally dislike. <laughs> as, and that is the way that they kind of treat Finn as a character in the series so far. And that sequence on the... what. Canto Bite? Canto Bright? Yeah, I don't know. It's Canto something. Um, that was just completely unnecessary um, as a subplot. And, you know, Ryan Johnson recently said that he was going to actually have uh, Poe Dameron uh, was going to join Finn before he wrote the character of Rose. I like the character of Rose. I like the character of Finn. But they just... They're the way that they've been constructed as characters, uh, there's no depth to them as a character. I think John Boyega is an amazing actor. I think the the person who played Rose, I can't remember her name, uh, was an amazing actress as well. I think they give really good, strong performances. And unfortunately, that sequence on Canto Bite was so unnecessary. I mean, Zachy, what do you think that this film would have been improved if they would have completely taken that entire sequence out of the film and spent time, you know, elsewhere, anywhere else. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't even necessarily have said to cut the whole thing out. I would have said trim it. I mean, geez, this movie is two and a half hours long. It's the longest Star Wars they've ever done. And so at that point you start saying, okay, well, what? how can we you know, uh, lose a few odds and ends here. I, I think I get what they were going for. And I, I find, you know, there, there's a, there's a social point that they were trying to make, which I think got lost a little bit, which is, you know, the, the how the, if you will, like the 1% in the star Wars universe lives. And it, and you know, this, the point is made like they're getting rich by, by keeping the first order in weapons and the resistance. And so this idea of like this class outside of this conflict that we follow, who, who's, you know, that their, their uh, intent is in keeping the conflict going. Well, there, I mean, there's like a kernel of an interesting idea there. I just, you know, the, the 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 sequence never coalesced, right? Starting with the thing with the Maz Kanata, where they're like, "What do we do, with Maz?" And she's like, "Oh, find a dude with the like a lapel pin." And I'm like, "Do you, you know his name? Obviously, like, why don't you just say that?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? A, it's it's this weird like you see the the pieces of the plot where it's like we need to send them there but we can't give them too much information because then that'll get resolved too quickly so that that was goofy to me i, I especially because she makes a comment that seems to imply that she's like slept with the guy right, uh, right. so i'm like so you don't know his name like that's such a weird like that stuck out to me right away and and my my partner brian hall on movie film he he said this he's like that little video thing with maz Kanata feels like a cutscene from a video game like right before the level starts it's like hey you got to do this and i can't help you because i gotta do this but you gotta go do it and then you know the game starts uh it did feel <laughs> doesn't it feel like that yeah yes <laughs> terrible so, sequence Ter it, everything it, about that was just 
Ugh, ugh, that, that was weird. Because, yeah, I mean, like I, I like Maz as a character. I think Lupita Nyong'o is great. Didn't need to be in this movie. They could have found another way. Uh, the whole thing with the with the Fathiers, I think they're they're called the the horses. The, it just it was just it was just too much. Like it, I, I'm not opposed to it in concept, but I'm like a little can go a long way. And and I it's one of those things. I get it because you got to have this sequence because it's going to pay off what happens in this sequence and that sequence. So if you cut this out, then you lose this. Like, I get it. So, okay, we got to leave the sequence in. Fair enough. But, you know, you, you can't tell me that they, they couldn't have trimmed it a little I bit. I mean, if, Ke- if Kevin Sushihara was running Disney right now, that sequence would have been yeah. trimmed. And we would have <laughs> gotten an ultimate edition of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, but yeah, that, that sequence, Kyle, what, what are your overall, cause when we did our preview, you said, you know, there's this thing where they got to go find these animals. I was like, God, no, not mm-hmm. this. What did you think of that sequence? Surprisingly, I didn't dislike it as much as everybody else did. Like, honestly, even though it's overly long and doesn't really serve the plot much, I found it to be more entertaining than the whole Raftar theme from The Force Awakens, even though that was yes. relatively short. So, like, <laughs> it wasn't as, like, annoyingly offensive as that was to me. But, like, <laughs> I, I, I kind of see what they were trying to do, you know, the whole social commentary and all that. And how it actually does kind of tie into the message of the movie, all about how failure is somewhat of an importance. Like, it's okay to fail as long as you pick yourself back up and keep trying, like... The, the main characters consistently fail what they're trying to do, especially during the whole Finn and Rose aspect when, you know, like, we're supposed to go down to this place to find the guy. Well, we failed at finding the guy. Let's try to see the animals free. Well, we kind of mess that up. we got to improvise. You know, like, they're constantly f- tripping and failing along the way, and eventually they they kind of make their way through it, and they kind of come off as being more experienced, like, they've learned from their mistakes. But, again, like, a lot of that could have been trimmed. You could have, like, make that entire sequence instead of take up 30 minutes of the movie that could have easily been shown under like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's kind of, I feel like I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be, but it's definitely one of the weaker aspects of the movie. I, I think it's the weakest aspect of this, this film. And like I said, at the beginning, like there's a lot of good stuff, you know, you know, Kyle, you bring up a lot of, you know, the failure stuff. That's, that's a theme throughout this film. And it's a great, you know, Zach, you said, you know, there's kernels of greatness here. But unfortunately, those kernels didn't pop into the popcorn that we come to deserve from the, you know, this isn't the DCEU, this isn't Marvel, this is Star Wars. Star Wars started, you know, a whole gener- you know, generation of filmmakers, a whole generation of films and, you know, CGI and all this other stuff. It's the grandfather of so many things, you know, of really being a science, you know, having science fiction be cool on the big screen. And unfortunately, Ryan Johnson, like I've said at the beginning, he could not execute, you know, everything. Like, like I said, he can direct the, the cinematography is fantastic. He can get, you know, really great performances out of his actors from everyone. There's not one, you know, maybe Captain Phasma is slumming a little bit at the, you know, at times, but he can really, uh, really bring out, you know, the best of each actor he's able to pull a little bit more out of each actor that we've just never i've never seen mark hamill give a performance like that ever you know he you just you don't you want to weep with the guy because you feel like you're a failure because you've grown with this character you feel like you know you just want to be there give be a crutch for this character 
Well, that's why, you know, I've made a few comments on, you know, Twitter and Facebook that Ryan Johnson is the poor man's Chris Nolan. He's got a lot of good concepts, but unfortunately, he just can't execute where it needs to, you know, where, you know, where rubber meets the road. It just isn't there. And unfortunately for me, this suffers. And, you know, like, I feel like JJ now has, he has, uh, you know, some obstacles to kind of, you know, jump over. I mean, Zachy, do you feel like JJ as a director going into this third film, do you think that he has to minimize the damage, if you will, of, you know, what some fans are having issues with? Uh, the less and like I know we've had private conversations where you said you know I think where you said that I think that the last Jedi will be thought of uh, positively in the future like some revisionist history going on there which you know that that may be but do you think that JJ really needs to to you know take some time minimize the damage of the last Jedi or do you think he's just, you know it's just going to be business as usual you know, throw something together, boom, J.J. Abrams, Star Wars, boom. Well, I mean, I I think, you know, it, it begs the question of whether J.J. considers The Last Jedi to be uh, something that needs to be fixed. And I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, certainly we know that uh, he said as much that his his plan in his mind for, for Ray was the same as what Ryan Johnson ended up at, which was that she is a child of of nobody of significance in the story. Um, I, do I think that they're going to try to course correct after the, the 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 last week or so? No, I don't think so. I, I think that um, I think that would be a, a, the wrong way to approach this. I think I think they should tell the story that that feels real and feels natural. And and I I do think that you know the fans are going to come around. I mean you know I. I remember, I'm old enough now where I remember growing up and, you know, The Empire Strikes Back was considered the worst of the three Star Wars movies. I'm old enough to remember that. That's obviously not the case anymore. And it's it's one of those things that just kind of happened gradually. It wasn't like suddenly a light switch flipped and everybody was like, oh, actually, this is the great one. It just kind of happened. But even at the time, it was a paradigm shift. It was not what people expected from a sequel to Star Wars. And I think... I I, th- I feel very confident. I mean, I think Ryan Johnson, you and I disagree on this, but I think he's made a, a film that really will withstand to multiple viewings and, and really hold up to that. I know you've said very firmly you're not going to revisit this, but I do feel that if if you do decide to do that, I think you'll find stuff that you probably missed before, and you'll be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, it might not change your mind about the movie, but I think uh, it's an artistically sound film. And, and so I... I my gut tells me, and I guess the hell, you know, we'll find out in two years. But my gut tells me that that J.J. Abrams looked at where Ryan Johnson, where, where the lay of the land is, and he wasn't like, all right, let me let me, you know, do like a Superboy punch and undo this. I think he's like, all right, <laughs> where do we go from here? I mean, I I you know, my sense of of J.J. Abrams as a storyteller is he he's looking for that challenge, like, oh, okay, uh, let's see what we can do here. You know, I don't I don't think it's like, all right, let's. Uh, let's unring the bell, you know. And I, and by the way, I don't think that's what what Disney wants either. I mean, for all of the, uh, you know, the thing about the 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 Rotten Tomatoes score and whatever. I mean, I think that look, the movie's making money. It's making substantial amounts of money. 
the cinema score is good and the critical reviews are good. I think Disney, it would be foolish to be like, oh, we need to like overreact in the other direction. I think uh, my gut tells me that the the impression that people have of the last jedi will improve partially after um after after whatever number three is and as a corollary by the way i mean look at look at justice league look at how uh warner is like crazily overreacted to to the negative reaction to batman v superman and then you have something that's like neither fish nor fowl even though i like justice league but i mean uh you ended up with a movie that nobody can really claim credit to you know um, I, I think you, you make an interesting point about the, you know, seeing the Empire Strikes Back and a lot of people thought it was the worst, but unfortunately, the Empire Strikes Back really doesn't have the massive plot holes that The Last Jedi has. You know, it's good to have, it, for me anyway, you know, the Empire Strikes Back is the cream of the crop. Yeah, and, and, and uh, by the way, just to be clear, I'm not saying that this is as good as the empire strikes back i i i yeah i don't i don't want to imply that i do think that people i agree with you there are there are some pretty big plot holes i just think the 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 opinion that people have will change over time i mean i hope so you know maybe at some point i'll revisit the film <laughs> but i feel like if i do i'll just get even angrier like the hulk i just feel like <laughs> i would hulk out because i just when it comes to the character of luke I actually, you know, other than him throwing the lightsaber behind his back, I liked a lot of the choices that were made. Unfortunately, it felt like his arc, for me anyway, the arc, well, it wasn't a true or fully formed character arc for this entire film. Like, like we start out as this guy who you know, shut off from the world. He's taken away his force powers. You know, he's done this, he's done that. And, you know, I went in with the expectations of The Last Jedi being my favorite because, oh my God, we're going to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker again. But the choices that they made toward that middle portion, you know, because, you know, Luke, like we all knew Luke's going to come around. He's going to, it just, it did not, what is it satisfying? It just like how they kind of shoehorn that character. They it felt, felt like there was more of that story that should have been told. So, but um, it is what it is. The last shot I did make a lot of money. Um, let's do like a quick roundtable of grades where it ranks for you. And, you know, since we were up to eight. Star Wars films, well, nine, including if you include uh, Rogue One in this. In this, so I'll start with Zachy. What grade would you give this film, and where does this film st- uh, hold up to the rankings for you? Um, well, as far as the grade, I gave it a B plus, and by contrast, I gave Force Awakens a B. Um, as far as where I rank it, I don't have an answer to that, to be honest. It's been fun watching people with their rankings and stuff. And and I'm kind of, I, I don't know that I can rank these movies. I just kind of, like, I just have the ones that I tend to watch. And then there's the ones I skip through. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like it, right. uh, so it's, I, I liked it. That's like my ranking is I, I did not dislike it. There are some Star Wars movies I dislike. Uh, this was one that I liked. Um, for me personally, 
I'd probably put The Last Jedi around a B or B plus. Uh, but as far as like the rankings of it go, uh, that's definitely really difficult because my opinions of the, the Star Wars movies change pretty frequently. Uh, but I do feel pretty confident in saying that I enjoy it much more than The Force Awakens, which I already actually liked quite a bit. Would actually rank that pretty high. Um, so for me, Flash Drive is probably around the third best Star Wars movie in my opinion. Uh, but then again, it, like it took me more than a decade or so to really come to grips that I'm not a big fan of the Return of the Jedi. Uh, so huh. you know, there's definitely a possibility my opinions could change over time for this movie as well. Um, for me, I give this film a C minus. Um, not enough to there. There, there's too many plot holes to get over to to give this a glowing review for me. Um, where it ranks, I'd say it's the third worst, just depending on where what what I'm watching between. The Phantom Menace, The Last Jedi, and Attack of the Clones. Um, I mean, luckily there was no Jar Jar Binks in this film because if that would have been the case, I probably would have made this. This probably would have been the worst uh, Star Wars film for me. Um, I have actually, you know, grown fonder of The Force Awakens because of this film. I don't know if that's uh, good or bad, but you know, time will tell. And uh, and The Last Jedi. Yeah, no. Things that I'm looking forward to coming up is, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a duel between the Jedi, Rey, and, you know, the dark Sith Lord of Kylo Ren. I'm looking forward to that. So I guess I'm just looking forward to some more Star Wars. Hopefully, you know, this is just a bump of the road for them. And we go... You know, the next film is fantastic. The Han Solo film is fantastic. So we'll see. I guess that's going to do it for episode 18 of Lords of Film. Um, but before we go, let's get, uh, Zachy, where can we where can we find you on social media? What, what are you working on? Where can we find you on social media? Uh, well, I, you can go to my website, zakiscorner.com. That's Z-A-K-I-S corner. That's also my Twitter. That's also my Instagram. And, uh, uh, you can uh, check out my podcast, the movie film podcast that I co-host with Brian Hall, who is a writer for the Disney series Puppy Dog Pals. And uh, we do new episodes every two weeks, as well as uh, movie commentary tracks. And uh, I also have movie reviews that appear regularly at the Huffington Post. Okay. Uh, Kyle, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Looting Kyle. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at Batman Shalin. You can also support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash podcast empire network. And also I'd like to give a shout out to our uh, two recent subscribers over there. We have Cedric and Allie. So much appreciated for the support over there. And you can find this podcast on podcastempirenetwork.com. And if you want to follow our Twitter page, it's just at Lords of Film. And that's going to be it for episode 18. 